Welcome to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com. Joining me today uh, for the latest Burn News Podcast is the former Transport and Tourism Minister, Sean Crockwell. Thank you uh, for sparing some time, Mr Crockwell. Sure. When you resigned from Cabinet, um, you were quite scathing. You said that you'd lost confidence in the Premier. Uh, You accused the Premier of failing to rise above political posturing. And you said time and time again, it's not just the decisions that have been made, but the manner in which they have been made and the inability to communicate appropriately with the black community in particular. What were the issues? Explain the issues to the Bernese listeners that compelled you to take such a drastic step and to speak in such withering language. Well, as you would know, Jeremy, at that time, uh, we were in the throes of the uh, immigration issue, and there were significant demonstrations going on at that Mm -hmm. time. And it was my view that we could have avoided the impasse and once the impasse actually started, I felt that we could have resolved it in a much more expeditious way to avoid the acceleration of uh, the impasse. Um, and I just think, you know, I understand and appreciate that the government has a job to do. Mm-hmm. We have uh, policy initiatives and we have various um plans and visions that we want for the country and the government has an obligation to advance its legislative agenda. Uh, But in the current circumstances, the government must also appreciate the temperature of the community. And if there is resistance, if there is substantial resistance, then the methodology has to be to embrace, to consult, and to bring the people along with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The OBA has had significant challenges in getting its message across. Mm -hmm. I think you see that not just with the immigration, but we've seen that with the airport development, Mm -hmm. that these are initiatives that we think are good for the country, but for whatever reason, we failed to convince the public that they are good for the country. And I think that comes down to style methodology as well. So I was frustrated that, yet again, we found ourselves in a position where we seemed to be at odds with the people, and I think that it was due to our inability to articulate what we were trying to do, uh, to to have the the community understand how it will benefit them, Mm -hmm. and to listen to their concerns and try to incorporate their concerns in the process. Was that the only thing? I mean, it seems an extraordinary step to make, to step down as a minister, just because of a communications issue? Well, there, there were. this is not the first time that the OBA government has found itself in this sort of um, adverse stance with, with, with the public. We, we saw this happened over the land grab issue that uh, Walter Brown brought to the House mm-hmm. of Assembly. We found ourselves in this position with the furlough day issue, particularly with, with the civil servants. There, there have been quite a few issues we, we saw ourselves with the uh, reduction of mammograms. I think that it's been a plethora of, of circumstances where we have found ourselves in an antagonistic position uh, with the people. And I think that um, 
certain views were not embraced. Certain views being your views? Uh, I, my view in, in many of these circumstances. So what, what was your view then? What were you telling your cabinet colleagues, well, I, I your think, former cabinet colleagues? I, I think that um, too often we do not want to uh, really um, listen to the concerns or we don't validate the concerns that's being espoused by members of the community because we, we have examined a particular issue, we have taken a position that we should go a certain direction, and, and we base that decision on our analysis and maybe our intellectual understanding of that mm. situation, and we've done, you know, the calibration as to how this would best uh, serve the country. Um, but we have to park that sometimes and, and validate and listen to the concerns. Um, and, and on many occasions, I felt that because of the, these issues were very sensitive mm. as it relates to the black community, that we, we should have paused. And, uh, and then, of course, with the mammogram issue, we, we should have paused well, yeah, the black and, and tried to embrace it. So that's why I said it's not always a decision. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not undermining the decisions in, in, in most of those circumstances. Um, you know, when you sit down and you listen to, to the ministers articulate the reasons why, and, and I was in cabinet, and mm -hmm. certainly I, I support it going forward, but quite often I, I would provide consultation um, that, that we should try and uh, adhere to and, and, and validate some of the um, concerns raised in the black community. Um, and I think if we'd have done that, we may have not found ourselves in the position that we were in. Is that arrogance or is that just ignorance? Um, no, I, I think sometimes, um, you know, when, when you have an aggressive uh, agenda, you want to get it done, you believe that you are doing the right thing, you have a mandate to lead, um, that, that you, you want to sort of go forward. So in some cases it could be expediency. Um, and, but I do think that it, it does come down to how we present these things and how we articulate what we're trying to do. But again, is it ar arrogance or ignorance? Um, well, I don't think it's... Well, you know, I don't like to use... Um, I, you know, it, it could be a form of arrogance. It could be a form of arrogance in the fact that, you know, when, when you are confident that it's the right thing, that you may not um, want to listen to an opposing position. Um, and, I, and, and so I don't think it's arrogance in, in, a, in a bad way that you've done your due diligence and you've, you've, you've determined that this is the right way to go. But um, when, you, when you're dealing with politics and when you're dealing with um, an electorate that is predominantly black and we have these racial issues with the political parties as they are, I mean, we, we have political division and we have racial division and, and they are unfortunately connected. Um, I think that we have to be more mindful when we um, make some of these decisions and the way we make the decisions. Because the, the immigration reform and the, and the protests we saw at the House of Assembly, um, to, many, to many of the people I spoke to on, on all sides of the political fence, they kind of agreed that it was the death knell for the OBA in terms of the election. Is it too late for them to turn it around in terms of communication and listening to the people? Well, I mean, time is short. So, months or so. I, I think that the, the government um, has a lot of work to do um, to, to win back the, the confidence of uh, the community. Um, and, and we will see. 
we, we will see what they would do. I mean, obviously, I, I made my statements um, to, to the premier's credit. He, uh, he contacted me the very next day, um, and, and we had conversations. And I think that he, he wants to um, do what is required to gain the, the support uh, and the trust, particularly of the black community. Um, you know, as I've said to him, the, the way to do that is you have to surround yourself with people who understand, mm. people who get it, people who can gauge the temperature correctly and, and take their counsel and have sometimes, because sometimes you, you may be in a situation where because you're not accustomed to that situation, um, you may not know how to proceed. You have to have faith and confidence in those who do mm-hmm. and, 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 and then be able to, to do that without any fear of, of it not working out. And I think that sometimes you, you, the premier and others are comfortable with what they know. And therefore, uh, they would sort of take that path. Uh, my view was that he has to embrace um, the, the views of, of others who may have a better understanding of, of how the black community So works. have you seen that happening? Have you seen evidence of that happening since you resigned? Well, I mean, it's not been that long. It's just been over a month. No. Um, I think that this parliamentary session is going to be very critical. Um, I would like to see the government bring forth uh, legislative initiatives that will have a direct positive impact on the lives of Bermudians. I think that the America's Cup, for example, is a wonderful initiative, mm-hmm. um, but it has to be an initiative that the majority of Bermudians believe is going to benefit them. And um, so there's no doubt it's going to be great for Bermuda as a jurisdiction, the exposure we're going to get from that, the people that are going to come here. Uh, surely there's going to be a significant um, um, you know, uh, financial surge in terms of the money that's going to go into the economy. Uh, but what I'm hearing, as I'm sure you're hearing on the street, a lot of people are concerned as to whether or not the America's Cup is going to help them and benefit mm-hmm. them. And I do think it can. Um, but the government has to be bold enough to make sure that it does. And to communicate it. Uh, you, you, you said earlier on, a, a couple of minutes ago, that the Premier had to surround himself with the people who could give him solid advice, and you said it was too early to tell if that was happening. Do you think it will happen? Because clearly, in your opinion, that's very important. It is very important. And one thing I can say you know, about the Premier is that he listens. You know, um, if, I, if I wanted an audience, obviously I was a, a member of Cabinet. Uh, I held a senior uh, portfolio, and uh, I always could get the air of the Premier. Mm. That was never an issue. Um, and the Premier, in fact, would take time to listen to all uh, opinions on particular issues. Um, but, you know, I, I just didn't feel that he would often follow maybe my advice on a particular issue. He doesn't issue. have to follow your advice. Uh, he doesn't have to follow mine, but, but I think that, what, or, or, or those like mine, but I do think that on a balance that there, it has to be seen that, that he is listening to um, all, all of those that are around him. So and, he wasn't? Well, he was listening, but, but my point is that, that he would listen, he would definitely listen, but I was concerned that the decisions that were being taken on a regular basis was not taking into consideration the impact it was going to have. Particularly on, on the black community. On the black community. Um, and I think that, that the OBA must be mindful, because as you know, Jeremy, the... The PLPs, um, their whole uh, position and, 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 and their strategy has been 
to categorize the OBA as a, as a party that doesn't care about the black community. So the OBA has to be most mindful that in all that it does, it demonstrates that it does care. You're suggesting it doesn't? No, no, I'm not. I'm, I, what I'm suggesting is that, that it has not been able to um, successfully articulate the, the ways that okay. the initiatives okay, will benefit the black community. Now, bearing that in mind, bearing the fact that you said, you said Mr. Dungley failed to rise above the political posturing and that you'd lost confidence in the party under him, is he the right man for the job at the moment? Well, in your opinion? I, in my opinion, I think that um, based on what we have, obviously uh, it has to come from the parliamentary group, I do think that, that he is the, the right choice. I certainly supported him um, when um, the former Premier resigned, um, and, and I was certainly expecting uh, Premier Donkley to be able to um, deliver on what the OBA had promised during the election. Um, I think that the Premier uh, clearly is a capable leader. He is clearly a capable manager. Um, but you have to be able to understand the people that you are leading. And the majority of the electorate in this country are black. And so uh, if you don't have the experience, if you don't have the life experience, to be able to understand that, then again, it is incumbent to ensure that you surround yourself with those who do and that you have the confidence to take their counsel because they're the conduit between you and, and, and the black community. And so, you know, it's, you, you have to take the dynamics of politics. The dynamics of politics in this country is that the majority of the electorate are working class black Bermudians. And you have to figure out a way to convince them that we are governing in their best interest. Is there, um, is there a division then on, on uh, black-white lines within the cabinet because of this issue that you're outlining? Because no. there appear to be there, there appear to be cracks uh, within the OBA uh, uh, cabinet when the immigration protests were taking place. Um. The, 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 the cabinet had... Or within the, within, the, within the parliamentary group, even. I think that with emotive issues like immigration, and immigration is emotive at the best of times, so when you have a situation when you know, we're still grappling with a recovering economy, it was going to be even more so emotive. Um, even issues like same-sex marriage and the like, you, you will have people that's going to have strong opinions. Um, clearly, on this matter, I, I think that um, the government did not um, appropriately appreciate how the black community was so um, adversely against it. I think there was a miscalculation in terms of the opposition mm. to this. So did, uh, that, did that create a parliamentary rift, though, within the, within the MPs? Well, it, it created a rift for me, mm. uh, clearly. Um, we know that there were, other, there were other members of Parliament that felt strongly about it, and that's become public as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those issues that did engender strong views. Um, I certainly supported what we were trying to achieve. But sometimes when you 
are able to ascertain the response, you have to be willing to be flexible enough to adjust. And I felt that there was an inflexibility uh, in this instance that, that created what I thought was a potential crisis uh, in Bermuda. And I, and I was very concerned about that. And at the time, as the Minister of Tourism, I was concerned about uh, the image we was projecting internationally. Um, and, and of course, you don't want people to think that we are not a stable mm. jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. and, and part of the reason why I remained um, within the parliamentary group of the OBA is because I wanted to ensure that we had stability mm -hmm. going forward, because it's very important. Which obviously leads, on, leads, leads nicely on to my next question. Are you, are you committed to staying within the OBA? Um, I am. I am committed. Um, uh, you know, as I've said before, I've said publicly and I've said privately that, that I am I'm looking to see uh, in the short period of time that we have left the government making some very bold and, and some very aggressive decisions that will positively benefit the black community. I think that's very important. I think we've made bold decisions already um, in general going forward. We've had to make some tough decisions as it relates to the economy. We've made decisions in, in, in transferring the management of tourism to a, to a tourism authority. I mean, we've weathered some difficult and controversial issues. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had the backbone to do that. Now I think that there, there are opportunities to come up with initiatives that can directly benefit the working class community in this country and I'm looking for the government to be um, to be smart enough and to be brave enough to get that done. What kind of initiatives would you like to see then? I think that and this and this is something that was under my remit as well I think that gaming casino gaming is one of those areas that can really um, provide the stimulus for job creation and to help the working class Bermudians, particularly those who are unemployed, in not only getting new jobs, but getting new careers. Mm -hmm. I think that this is an area where we're talking about diversifying our economy. This potentially is a, is a new industry that we, are, that we have introduced, but the process is taking too long. I was getting frustrated as the minister, and I understand why it's taking long, because you have to have the appropriate regulatory structure in place. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there are opportunities for the government to expedite things. And I think that, particularly with the America's Cup coming, it would be a wonderful opportunity to be able to have Bermudians participate um, in the America's Cup by somehow having um, gaming... Uh, available at that time to take advantage of the volume of people that are here and to have Bermudians trained, working, and involved uh, when the America's Cup so event starts. Why, why didn't that move quicker? Why didn't government make that happen quicker? Well, I or mean, why isn't it? We, we have to understand that the. the act, you're frustrated with it, so. Well, the Act was passed in 2014. Mm. Um, this is a brand new. Uh, industry for us, a, a highly regulated industry, is probably the most regulated industry in the world. 
Um, we did not have the expertise locally. Uh, as you know, we, we had to, we traveled to, to try and ascertain what the best model is. We formed the Gaming Commission. Uh, the, com- the Gaming Commission has been doing uh, some Herculean work and trying to get things going. We've, we, we have a full complement of staff now at the Commission, and, and they are now working within the confines of the Gaming Act, uh, trying to get this industry going. But I think that the government can lead. So right now, really, the the impetus for pushing the gaming industry or the casino industry is with the Gaming Commission. But the government is the government, mm-hmm. and the government can still expedite things by coming up with some innovative approaches to try and get gaming going, casino gaming going, um, much quicker than, than we, we see it happening right now. Uh, a, 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 a casino gaming commission's job is to make sure that all the regulations are in place and, and every I is dotted and every T is crossed. Mm-hmm. A government has a different sort of objective, and that's to make sure that we come up with solutions to our problems as expeditiously as possible. So you really have two different mm. sort of approaches. And so I can understand the the Gaming Commission taking its time to make sure that everything's in place, but now the government has to step up and say, okay, we have a vision, and that vision is to ensure that we get Bermudians trained and employed as soon as possible, and we want to have maybe this amenity um, launched during the America's Cup, which I think would be a great thing. Um, And I think the government then has to figure out a way, uh, and I don't want to get into the details of that, but the government needs to figure out a way to make that happen and make it happen in a timely fashion where Bermudians can feel that they're a part of the process. Just just going back um, to the question about your, your commitment to the OBA, is your, is your continuing commitment um, dependent on anything? Uh, it's dependent on what the OBA does. I mean, um, how much longer I'm going to stay in politics is, is something that I'm considering now. Obviously, I'm back in private practice. I'm, I'm quite pleased that it's been a, a, a busy um, restart to my uh, legal career. And so, uh, you know, this type of, I, I practice um, litigation law, and, you know, you have to be in it 100%. So the reason why I gave it up was because I couldn't be a part-time minister and a part-time litigation attorney. So, you know, it's very possible, Jeremy, that I, I may have to just give up politics and focus uh, on on my politi- on my legal career, um, but in terms of my support of the OBA government, it, it's what they do. It's what they do. I think they appreciate that uh, it's time to show the community um, that they are committed to uh, creating the environment to to create jobs for Bermudians. I think we've tried to do that with hotel developments, and that was the main driver for the airport development as well. Um, but but there is a huge task that the government has to demonstrate that their commitment is to the people of this country and that they're going to demonstrate that in their legislative agenda. Um, <clears throat> there's been quite a delay in, in naming a, uh, your successor. Is there any particular reason for that? It's quite a crucial uh, position in Bermuda. It is, um, and I think, I don't know if you're referring more to the tourism Tourism in particular. Um, I think with, with tourism, now that we have the BTA up and running uh, and, and at full strength, uh, and we've seen the benefits of what the BTA 
what they have done over the past two years in, in the recent first quarter numbers. I think that that was a truly an astounding achievement to see a double-digit increase. And uh, my view is that we're going to see that type of result going forward during this year and, and next year. Um, so the the importance of a tourism minister has been um, somewhat diminished mm. with uh, the BTA. But of course, you still need to have a government representative who is the liaison between the government and the BTA who's going to ensure that the BTA has everything it needs from a legislative perspective. And of course, you always need to have someone representing the government officially uh, to our international partners. So the position still is an important one. I think the premier has taken his time simply because he has to, you know, look at the talent that's available to him. I'm sure that uh, you would appreciate that there were many individuals who probably were interested or are interested in, in, in becoming uh, a member of cabinet. Um, and he probably just took his time to make sure that the process was proper and that he's going to make the, the correct decision. Um, on the airport, you obviously support the creation of a new airport. Absolutely. Do you support the way it's coming about? The way the, where the process is? Well, going? I certainly believe that the uniqueness of the proposal, particularly how the airport redevelopment will be funded, um, really made it a sole source situation. Mm. There's, there's no other entity that would have offered the government what uh, CCC offered in terms of ensuring, first of all, that they were going to put up the capital to build it, that um, they were going to ensure that it would be built on time, on budget, and that if there were any overtures, that the government was not responsible. Uh, that is a very unique um, model. Uh, but I think that the fact that it was not put out to tender uh, has caused disquiet. Um, and, you know, although we have a very clear and compelling argument why it was not put up to tender, sometimes it's not the argument, it's the optics, um, because the actual project is going to be in excess of $250 million. Mm -hmm. So because of the size of the project, there's been concern and disquiet over the fact that there was no RFP. Um, again, it, you know, it's just come down to... The, the opposition being able to get significant mileage out of its message uh, and the government not being able to get traction with its message. Um, for example, I've heard numerous misinformation uh, out there as it relates to the project, like once the 30-year lease is over, the uh, revenue sharing will continue. Mm -hmm. That's completely ludicrous, but people believe that. Um, the if you say something enough times, people will begin to... Absolutely. Play. And so, again, we have not done a good job in making sure that the facts are what people remember rather than the distortion of the facts. But do, do you think there should have been an RFP process, personally? Well, at the time, um, I was convinced that this was certainly a, a case for it being so sourced. Um, but stepping back and, and putting it through a political filter, it would have been you know, determined that just for political expediency 
and for optics sake it would have been better so I'm speaking in retrospect mm. but when you don't have the political filter to sort of look at things strictly from a messaging and from a political perspective then sometimes you can find yourself in a situation obviously the finance minister uh, was very critical when he was the shadow finance minister of projects not being put out to tender now we have probably the largest capital project not being put out to tender. Now, clearly, the I understand... The hospital wing was a bigger capital project, and that was put out to tender, even though it was a PPP. Well, that's the point. So, so in this case, in this case, I understand why people are saying it. Um, I just think that the OBA government, including the finance minister, needs to reiterate over and over why it was not put out to tender and highlight all of the unique features of this particular proposal and project, which made uh, an RFP not appropriate. Is building a $250 million airport for Bermuda justifiable? I, I think so. I think to try and say, you know, we're a small jurisdiction and we can just do something um, <clears throat> slight is unreasonable. Either you're going to build a proper airport or you're not. And a proper airport and a proper airport redevelopment is going to cost money. And when you compare what this particular um, design is in comparison to what um, the former Premier, Dr. Brown, was looking at, it's, it's half the cost. Um, so I don't think that the amount of this rede redevelopment is really an issue. Um, again, the, when you come down to some of the controversial components, it is a foreign entity that is going to be running it for, for a significant period of time. Um, it is the statement that we're losing so much revenue over that period of time. These are the issues that need to be addressed in a very cogent way. For example, right now we have foreign entities that are running the airport as we speak. Mm -hmm. The airport has been predominantly privatized for a very long time. Um, so again, we have to make sure that people understand that, that, that we're not doing something different. Um, that we've had, we've had foreign entities provide the service to us for decades. Uh, we're not going to be losing the amount of revenues that has been purported, but at the same time, the government will not be responsible for the full expenses of running the airport as well, and that's in the millions of dollars every year. So it's, it's the balance of it, and then at the end of the day, we need a new airport. The airport is uh, what is the first impression and the last impression that we have for our guests, our business guests, and our leisure guests. Uh, it is it is grossly outdated, um, and it needs to be replaced. Mm. And we have an opportunity to replace it in the best economic way, particularly when you consider the challenges that this government has with its finances. I think the problem, from, from what I've read and, and I've been told to a lot of people, is you don't know if... Um, an airport built for 100 million, for instance, could be could suffice for Bermuda. We don't know the forecasts, for instance, of travellers, uh, of revenue, etc. Um, so there's some question mark, perhaps, about could it be 100 million? Could it be 200 million? You know, there have been significant um, analysis, significant <coughs> studies uh, as it relates to this development, uh, the forecast. Everything's been done. I mean. Um, so I, the business case has been done? The business case has been done. The justification has been done. Um, all of the, the forecasts have been made. We've looked at it, and we've come up 
with uh, the numbers. Now, obviously, that was done by the people who, who do numbers. But I can tell you that the general manager of the airport has been involved in this from day one. Uh, the minister of finance and his team, we've hired consultants mm. to look at that. Uh, I know that the shadow minister of finance have, has criticized some of the spending. Well, that spending has been primarily with consultants to do just that, to look at this, to do the models, to do the assessment. Um, Well, 13 million is the the total amount. That's not what's been spent, but has been allocated. Um, And so, yes, I think the due diligence has been done. Now, I try and keep up to speed on current affairs. I, I read websites, blogs, newspapers. I don't remember seeing that information in the public domain. Well... Um, well, certainly, again, the government, I was a part of this. Yes. We had multiple town hall meetings um, on the airport development. I understand that, but the business case? Well, again, I, I can't recall every question that was asked. Um, but this is the information. If, if this is the information that is causing someone like yourself or others concern, um, is this the best Deal. I've heard that time and time again. That's basically what it boils down to. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. And and the government has to get out there and and market and advocate as to why it is the best deal. Because the studies have been done to suggest it is. If the forecasts, it just seems obvious to me, the forecasts show an airport the size of whatever 250 million will will build you, the forecasts are right, why not put it into the public domain? Why, well, why not reassure people? You, 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 are, you are focusing on the forecast. First of all, we have to focus on what are the I'm needs... I'm sorry, I'm using the forecast as, as a very generic phrase, I suppose. I should really talk about the business case. Yeah. The, the forecast is to be able to finance yes. the airport redevelopment. The, the question is as to why is it costing $250 million? Well, based on what we need to have a, a properly functioning airport and to meet all of the regulatory requirements... That's how we come to 250. Once you came to what do we need to build, and I can tell you that um, the government certainly looked at ensuring what is the necessities. And once we ascertained what the necessities were, and we got a figure associated with that necessity, and I think that they're still working on that, then we had to ascertain how we're going to pay for it. And that's where the forecasts come in. And that's part of the reason why we felt it necessary to, to increase some of the fees associated yeah. with the airport so that we can cover the cost. Are you happy um, that under your uh, ministry, un- under your steering of the ministry, that enough hotels, enough progress has been made on building hotels? Uh, absolutely. Um, particularly when you take in consideration that we haven't had any movement for a very long time. Um, we're very, I'm very proud of the fact that we... Um, have the St. George's Hotel development on the cusp of starting, uh, and that's something that hasn't, you know, successive governments been trying to make that work uh, for decades. Um, and so I'm disappointed that I'm not going to be yeah. be the minister to to cut the ribbon, but uh, very proud of that. Uh, as you know, we've we've seen redevelopment at Fairmont Hamilton. We've seen re- redevelopment that's still taking place at, at Pink Beach. Um, so, uh, you know, I believe that, that plans are still uh, going ahead with Aerial Sands. I was going to ask about that because we've had some, there's been a lot of publicity about Morgan's Point, St George's, etc. It's gone very quiet on the likes of Aerial Sand, Aerial Sands, and there's been no news about other hotel developments. Is there anything else that's out there that's likely to come forward soon? Uh, 
Um, well, there have been well, there were small things. Um, you, you had Coral Beach work was done there, uh, and I, 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 I was remiss not to mention Morgan's Point also on the cusp of getting started. So Morgan's Point and, and St. George's were the largest. Um, and, and, and Ariel Sands last that I was made aware when, when I was uh, on the Economic Development Committee that that was still a project that was uh, on pace to get started. Um, besides that, no, um, the, the, there have been interested parties come down and have a look. Um, I think that uh, clearly with what we've seen with the development and the redevelopment that's taken place, the amount of money that the Greens have put into their project uh, and, and their properties, significant amount of monies, the amount of money that Desarroyas wants to put into St. George's as well as Morgan's Point speaks to, I think, a renewed confidence in the jurisdiction. Um, and, and I have no doubt, Jeremy, that uh, the OBA government has uh, done a great job in stabilizing the economy and, and starting to turn it around. Um, but when you don't have the people behind you, or as I said, if, you, if you're going to have civil unrest, then all of the hard work in relation to turning an economy around ends up for naught. So we have to have a bifurcated approach. There has to be, okay, we understand that we have an urgency of addressing the economy, but you have to also have a very robust social agenda as well. And I think that it's the social agenda that, that we've dropped the ball on. And, and with the last 18 months, it is my hope that the government focuses on that social agenda. And, and part of it is job creation, part of it is uh, instilling confidence that we, despite the difficult times, that we are going to ensure that uh, the, the community is going to be brought along and that the community is going to be the beneficiary of some of the policies and legislation of this government. Um, highs and lows of your uh, ministerial time? Obviously, uh, the low uh, was, was the Jetgate affair. Um, and Which I, is still bubbly under, of course. Isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And, and um, certainly, again, I'll state again that, that uh, absolutely nothing unto war took place. Um, and I thought that it was one of those situations, again, where we did not um, sufficiently and adequately uh, deal with um, and, and we allowed the opposition to create something that was greater than what it was. The police um, investigation is still ongoing, though, I believe. And I think that I think that an investigation is is appropriate. Uh, and at the end of that investigation, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the police will give a definitive uh, conclusion to the matter. And I, I have no doubt that uh, there will there will be no finding of wrongdoing. Um, uh, so to be sort of caught up in that w w was a low, um, but. I'm very proud and, and, and pleased of the the aggressive legislative agenda and success of my ministry. Um, if you think about the major legislative uh, achievements, the uh, tourism authority was substantial. When when we literally transferred from a department to a private functioning entity, and if you can recall, there was a great deal of anxiety around that and people very concerned. No one was displaced, no one lost their job. It was a smooth transition and now we're seeing the benefits of that with, with very good uh, tourism numbers. Uh, the Casino Gaming Act, again, uh, this was a significant um, uh, achievement for this government in creating a brand new industry. 
you may recall the history with gaming um, was around 50-50 in terms mm -hmm. of support, uh, but because of the uh, education campaign that we had, I believe because of how we handled it, we ended up with um, an average of 70% support in, in the community over introducing a responsible casino gaming industry. But you, you can't be sure because you cancelled the referendum. Well, we, we don't have a referendum, but when you have, when you have consistent data demonstrating that the majority of people supported it, um, and, and that's a whole other conversation, I was very comfortable that a referendum was not required in the circumstance. If, if the support was still sort of 51, 52%, um, then I would have felt differently. But we had at least, you know, three to five successive polls, not just by the, the government, but by independent entities doing it, that showed over 70% support for it. So we were happy with that. Um, and then, of course, the negotiations with the St. George's Project, as I mentioned earlier. Um, a lot of people don't appreciate the amount of work and time involved and skill involved in being able to negotiate these types of, of developments. And so uh, I, I thought that it was an excellent process from the RFP right on through the signing of the Master Development Agreement uh, and getting the legislation passed. Um, and, you know, uh, we, we've been able to introduce new cruise ships to Bermuda. We just had the Anthem of the Seas come mm -hmm. here, which is mm -hmm. the largest cruise ship to ever come to Bermuda. Before that, it was the Breakaway, mm -hmm. which was the largest. Um, so we've been able to continue to attract quality cruise partners to Bermuda. We remain a destination of, of, of choice for many of our, our cruise uh, partners around the world. Um, so I think that from a tourism perspective, uh, the future looks bright. Um, we had close to 40 years of successive decline in tourism, and so I think we're starting to see the, the, the turning of the corner there. Um, and of course, uh, being, being a part of the America's Cup, you know, having to come up with the transport plan, which was done by, by the civil servants, I think they did an, an excellent job. And now we have the responsibility of ensuring that we deliver on that. I think transport is going to be very critical mm. for the America's Cup. Uh, we have to demonstrate that we can transport all of our guests where they need to go in, in, in a reasonable and certainly in an effective way. Parliament reopens very soon. Um, how are you going to? Uh, how do you think you'll take the life on the backbench? Um, you know, I'm going to continue to be vociferous. I've always been vociferous in, in Parliament. Um, stand up and, and state my case in as cogently a way as I can. Um, you know, it's, it's been it's been an interesting month. You know, obviously there are many people who have applauded my stand, and that there are those who are not happy with my stand. So I found myself in. In, in sort of a new territory. But sometimes you got to follow your conscience. you got to do what you think is, is best for yourself. And uh, I'm going to continue to stand up and be a voice for my constituency and be a voice for my community. When you, when you did resign, um, as is often the case, there's, there's been a lot of rumours uh, about what you intended to do and what you did do, one of which that um, you were close or you were thinking about crossing the floor to the PLP. No, that, that was unfounded, Jeremy. Um, but as the report stated, I, I do have quite a few friends uh, on the other side. And uh, I have met with a few of them, and we've had conversations about the best way going forward for Bermuda. I believe that 
we have too much political divisiveness based on the fact that we have these political parties and the history of the political parties. Um, and, and I would like to see a solution to that. And I think the solution can be coming up with some form of coalition government where both sides are working together to come up with the best solutions and best initiatives for the community. Now, you'll recall that when the OBA first became the government, um, we made an overture mm. to put a, a member of the PLP in the cabinet, and it was refused. So I did have conversations with members on the other side about the feasibility and plausibility of coming up with some type of coalition government where the people can see that their politicians are working together rather than always being at odds with each other, that we're working together to come up with the right solution. You may see that in the immigration committee that's been formed right now where you have members from both sides sitting together. And I'm very, um, I'm very eager to see what the outcome of that will be. Just, just going back to this idea of a coalition, what, what did you outline to, uh, to the PLP? What was your idea? Well, whether or not there was any appetite for it first and foremost. So you would give them... You would have had to give them a seat on several several ministries, basically. Well, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it was to look at whether or not there was sufficient appetite to consider um, bringing two large factions from both parties together to, to form a government. And, of course, it would have to involve members of the government and, and members of the opposition. And so um, there were discussions, um, and, and um, I can tell you that based on... Um, not just discussions, but looking at the Constitution and other things, um, it was deemed that it was not uh, feasible at this time. But I do think that it's something that, as, as a jurisdiction, we need to look at the the structure of our political system and and answer the question whether or not we think it's serving the community, a community of our size, the best way that it can. Did the PLP say no? Um, th- there was certainly some, well, when you say the PLP, the, the PLP proper was never really approached, if you're talking about the PLP oh, part. Yeah. But, but the people that I spoke to, th- there was certainly um, some interest, and, 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 and individuals saw the merit in um, doing something that was collaborative. People criticize the Westminster system, um, but the Westminster system has worked for centuries. Is it the Westminster system or the people in the system that make it go wrong? Well, I think, I mean, the Westminster system has worked in Bermuda as well. But at the same time, I do believe that I wouldn't blame the Westminster system, but this is a system that we have, and as a result of that, we've seen the emergence of the the, the political parties. And I believe that, based on the system, that it is too antagonistic. And I think that it has created significant division within our community. And I think that that then spills over to a racial division. Um, so I believe that going forward for a jurisdiction the size of Bermuda, that if we can eliminate at least the political division, then we may make some progress in healing the racial division. No party wants to give up the opportunity of power, though, do they? Um, no, they don't. And so it will take a, a, a bold and it will take, I think, a noble gesture at some point to do so. Um, and, you know, we will see if, if there is any talk of, of a coalition in the event that there is a change of government going down the road. But I think that people have come to the position now that the current political structure is, is not serving uh, the needs of the people the best way that it can. Now, we have to work within the structure that we have, and I'm hopeful that 
the, the leaders of both political parties will try and work together more um, because I think that we, we need to demonstrate to the people of this country that we can work together for their interest. Thank you for tuning in to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com, your 24-7 Bermuda news source.